Well, good morning, Shore Church. Really glad to have you. Excited to continue to be together with Sundays Online. If you are a guest, maybe you clicked on a link or someone sent you this, I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. Uh, Today, Shore, we are in our last message in this series where we've been talking about how to cultivate deep life with God, how to flourish in this unique time of self-isolation, how to give him access to things and pull in his rich character. And so today we're gonna be in Psalm 119. So go ahead and grab your Bible, open it to Psalm 119. It's the biggest chapter in the entire Bible, uh, 176 verses. We're not gonna read them all, uh, but go there. Uh, We're really, really excited about this. We're looking at the attribute of God's wisdom today, God's wisdom. Now, uh, before we turn to our special guest reader, which I know we're all excited about, and uh, dive in, I wanted to ask that we spend uh, the first bit of our time uh, in a time of lament and in a time of intercession. Um, We as a church cannot be silent on issues of racism, the sin of racism, injustice, oppression. Uh, Thomas Ridley in a Gospel Coalition article I read this week, he's the vice president of the institutional communications at Reformed Theological Seminary uh, in the US. He said this, we all should be uncomfortable about the injustice in our country For many Christians facing the reality that America still has a race problem is uncomfortable. Until we're able to listen to the cries of black advocates, sympathize with black mothers and express righteous anger over dead black bodies, we might remain comfortable, but it's a poor substitute for the love to which we've been called. And and that's, that's what we need more than ever right now a gospel love. We need to remember that throughout scripture, God shows particular care for those who are most vulnerable, that he commands authorities to be characterized by righteousness and justice. And he holds nations accountable for how they treat the least powerful groups and persons in their societies. Like When we get, sure, to the new heavens and new earth, Revelation gives us a picture of Jesus' bride and Jesus' bride has beautiful distinction. There's every tribe, there's every race, there's every nation. And so we need to cry out. We need to do a lot more, but this morning we need to cry out in lament as I read this week with the Psalmist, how long, O Lord? Like how long must our black and brown brothers and sisters be killed without consequence? How long must fathers and mothers weep over their dead children? How long will racial violence persist? Not only in the US and around the world, but in Canada, how long until your true justice reigns? Let justice roll down. I, um, I was telling my wife this week that the spirit really convicted me um, r- racism is a sin that is mentioned and condemned and God's justice and compassion moves so much throughout all the scriptures, a lot more than many of the other sins I've preached on. Um, but I've never preached a sermon on racism and uh, I'm not afraid to hit tough cultural 
uh, topics. You know, we did the Elephant in the Room series and um, I was just telling her, I, I am realizing it's not obvious to me. And, and I grieved over that. Like I can say as a white male, I have never had to explain to my kids how to not get killed by police. I've never been bullied or called a racist slur. Um, I've never been followed into a store unfairly. I've had someone try to avoid me on the street because of the color of my skin. Like I've just, I've never had that. And so I was grieved and, and know as a pastor, I need to humbly listen and and sympathize and, and do so much more. But today we need to lament and intercede. So my wife, uh, just in this week and feeling some of these just deep groans of the Lord, she wrote out a prayer of intercession. And I asked uh, if she'd be willing to share it and even read it for us. And she said, yes. And so uh, as she prays and as we join with her in this prayer to intercede, to humbly repent, let's together ask Jesus, the Prince of Peace, who, who suffered and died at the hands of both mob and state-sanctioned violence and who ultimately conquered evil and death itself. Let's pray to the, to the Jesus, the Prince of Peace, to come and be God, to come and be God in Canada, in the US and across the world in this time. And so uh, will you just take a moment of silence now and um, let's pray together. Oh, merciful, gracious, loving, compassionate Father, we need you. We need your strength to confront oppression. We need your eyes to see people as you see them. We need your heart to love as you love. We need your peace and your healing. Forgive us. Forgive us for not using our privilege to help those you love who are valuable and precious in your sight for not having works with our faith, for learning nothing from the Good Samaritan, for being the priest and the Levite who walk by the suffering of others. Forgive us for crossing to the other side of the road, for turning a blind eye, for silence. Forgive us for thinking ourselves better than others, for entering into petty debates, for arguing semantics instead of stepping out and stepping in to correct oppression. Forgive the times we ourselves have been the oppressor. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. Let us be your hands and your feet in the face of partiality, prejudice, and injustice. Let our works not stop when the hashtags die away. Convict us of our sin. Light a fire of zeal in our spirits to see your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That we would be your ambassadors bringing your great perfect, redemptive, impartial love to every nation, tribe, and tongue. We love because you first loved us. Grant us wisdom, discernment, humility, and teachability in your great, holy, just name. 
Amen. So, Father, as we transition now to this message and, and we open Psalm 119 and we look at the beautiful attribute of your wisdom, we ask for it now over our leaders, over our world, over the, just the divisions. We ask now for your wisdom. Lord, would you come and speak? Would, would you help us as, as we seek to flourish as apprentices of Jesus, as those who are called to bring your life to expand on earth as it is in heaven. Would you now come and just give us specific wisdom in our lives? And Lord, again, we just, we pray, Lord, just that, that you would just come in a powerful way over all that we're going through. And we just thank you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Psalm 119. As I said, biggest chapter. This is an entire psalm which is just infused with uh, emotional love. It's almost like a love poem, and the lover is God's word. It's beautifully written. The, the lover in this poem, psalm, these all these verses, is God's presence in his power. He's the source of life, his wisdom, his joy, his comfort, but they are all coming through his word, his precepts, his law. Uh, there, there's so much in here. There's, there's an invitation in Psalm 119 to just get all your mess out and invite all that God's beautiful word uh, into, that, into that mess. And so Psalm 119, just to give you uh, a sense of what it is, it's, it's, it's basically saying, here's how to feel about God's word. Here's how to not only know what it says, but to also feel, know, and act on what it says. And so when we come into this idea of wisdom, that's what we're talking about. So with no further ado, let's, let's read portions of Psalm 119, and now we'll turn to our special guest readers. Psalm 119, verse 71 through 77. It was good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Your hands have made and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Those who fear you shall see me and rejoice, because I have hoped in your word. I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous, and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Let your steadfast love comfort me according to your promise to your servant. Let your mercy come to me, that I may live, for your law is my delight. 19, verses 97 to 105. Oh, how I love your Lord! It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. 
Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Thank you, Kathy, Richard. So good to see you. Uh, we love you. We miss you. So air hug. Yes. That one's for Richard. Kathy. Oh, yes. Love you guys. All right. So let's begin with what is the wisdom of God? And then we're going to look at what are some practical ways we access it, we humbly receive it, and then also how do we uh, pour out his wisdom into others? How do we use his wisdom? How do we get his wisdom for one another? And then we'll close, wrap up the whole series with, with the greatest wisdom being Jesus Christ. Okay, so what is wisdom? Wisdom for us and others, and then Jesus, our wisdom. So let's begin. What, what is it? Well, let me distinguish at, right at the beginning. The wisdom of God is not the same as the omniscience of God. Okay, that God knows everything, that he's all knowing and there's no limit to what he knows and there's nothing he needs to learn. Wisdom applies his omniscience. So by divine wisdom, we mean God always has the highest end in mind and the best means by which to accomplish or attain those highest ends. The Bible says in Job 9.4 that he is wise in heart and mighty in strength. In Job 12.13, it says, and with him are wisdom and might. And so that's the basis of our definition. By wisdom, he knows what's the best thing to do is, the best plan, and with might, he can make it happen. He knows the best means and he accomplishes those means. So wisdom has in view God's ability, i.e. his power, to act for a right end every time. Uh, Isaiah 55, nine, this will be on the screen as well. It says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways, my wisdom, higher than your ways and my thoughts, my wisdom than your thoughts. His thoughts are higher and wiser. Uh, this principle here just tells us that we will never understand the wisdom of God unless he reveals it to us. And, and, and Romans eleven thirty three 33 says this, oh, the depth of the riches and what's our word, sure? Wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. That word inscrutable means unfathomable, untraceable, incomprehensible. The King, the King James says, his ways past finding out. Strange way to say it. Chapter 16 of Romans 27 says, he is called the only wise God. And, and, and this could be an entire other sermon, what I'm about to say next, but scripture repeatedly, clearly, although in not detail for every person, tells us what his highest ends are. In Romans eleven thirty six, 36, we read this, for from him and through him and to him, are all things to him be glory forever, amen. So the highest ends in God's wisdom are always the glory of God and the good of his people. Well, man meant for evil, God meant for good. All things work out for the 
glory of God and the good of his people. So just on a practical thought, when we're talking about what is the wisdom of God, well, the wisest choice in your life is made when you ask what will most glorify God? What will most glorify God in this situation or decision? And this is even helpful to bring into your prayer life. Think about it this way, even trials in our lives come under the scrutiny of his sovereignty and have the perfect wisdom of God, knowing exactly what what we would need in it. Like he knows exactly what we would need in our lives to be humble, to prune us, to deepen our faith. I mean, I can't tell you how many times in my own life, and I'm sure you can think of so many in yours, where I've been just frustrated with God, perplexed, um, you know, that, that he would allow something or, or, or just, why would you prune me in this way? Or why would you make me kind of give this thing over? Or you threw me into this, this situation and only later to discover if I hadn't gone through that, if I didn't go to that depth, I wouldn't have experienced this kind of joy and this kind of intimacy and this other thing wouldn't have happened. As, as Kathy really beautifully read, Psalm 119, 71 says, uh, it was good for me in the wisdom of God that I was afflicted. Purposes that I might learn your statutes the law of your mouth is, is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Do we believe that? Uh, your hands have made and fashioned me. Wisdom, that's wisdom. Give me understanding, wisdom, that I may learn your commandments. Those who fear you shall see me and rejoice because I've hoped in your word. I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous and that in faithfulness, in wisdom and faithfulness, you have afflicted me. Let your steadfast love comfort me according to your promise, according to your wisdom, to your servant. Let your mercy come to me that I may live. Your law is my delight. So God's wisdom means not only does he know the best ends and know how to get there, but he, he does not lay down any arbitrary rules. If you think of the wisdom of God in, in light of the scripture revealed to us, he doesn't give us orders so that we might, you know, be restricted or miserable or, or without the best ends. No, he never requires what is impure or unloving. So when he asks you, maybe in a time of silence and solitude or in listening prayer, hey, I want you to ask me this question. Why are you afraid? Or whatever he asks, or if he tells you to pray for something, you can trust. He is the wisest being. He is wisdom. I can trust him. He never requires, again, what is impure. His demands are always noble. They're always just. They're always righteous and they're always wise. Verse 98, it says, your commandments your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies. 
for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the age for I keep your precepts. God's wisdom is always connected to God's words. Every word he says is a wise word. There's so much more to say, but, but, but I mean, you could talk about wisdom in creation. You could talk about the wisdom in God's providence. Uh, but, but I wanna just talk now, let's move into the implication for us both individually and then how we live in community. So, so that's what is wisdom now? How does it look in our own lives and how do we receive it, humbly receive it and use it for others? Let me just say one of the most obvious application that our enemy seems to uh, be most vigilant to make us forget or be distracted from is, is Read the Bible, read the Bible, uh, get wisdom. Proverbs says the beginning of wisdom is get wisdom. And we have to remember all scripture is what breathed out by God. It's profitable, beneficial for everything we need. That we need to pursue his voice. We need to pursue his love his being, his, his essence, his stories, his truths in the word. Whatever you believe, and you know this, whatever you believe has power in your life, right? So let's say you're struggling today with uh, feeling inadequate uh, in your marriage, maybe inadequate at work, or, or maybe you're struggling today and you're feeling unlovable. Uh, you, you're, you're, you don't feel worthy. You don't feel enough. Or maybe you grew up in a home where you didn't feel uh, very noticed. Maybe you're even abused worse by your parents or someone you love, maybe even someone in ministry. And so you feel oftentimes that God, he wants to speak to other people, but not you. That he wants other people to know his love, but not you. Look right at me. The enemy is just dropping seed after seed after seed, processing that pain for you. And you're letting him. And don't. The way you don't is you go to, is this truth before God? How do you know what's truth before God? How do you know what the wisdom of God is? You go to the wisdom revealed in the word of God. That's what Psalm 19 really, really just tells you and teaches you. You pull in Ephesians 3 that says, you know, you, you being rooted and grounded in love. I mean, how we just sang this, how deep the father's love for us. So look at me, you can't go a day without reading your Bible and expect to win your war. You have to read it every day. You have to, if we wanna see more of Jesus, if we wanna become more like Jesus, if we wanna do what Jesus did the way he did it, that comes from abiding in his word and abiding in his love. 
it comes to the, you going into the scriptures the way the psalmist does. And, and he says things like this, they're sweet like honey. You know, it, it's a lamp unto my feet. I can't see in front of me the right way to go without the illumination of the word, right? Um, Psalm 119, 111, the joy of my heart. Wonderful, beautiful. Uh, another verse says, my soul keeps your testimony. I love them exceedingly. And, and so I borrow the sentence, but listen, every time you pick up the Bible, you are one Holy Spirit breath away from a God encounter. Like, just think about that. A, a life-giving interaction with the author of life. So as apprentices of Jesus, we meet with him in the Bible and wisdom, listen, isn't just learning, um, it's trusting and receiving and listening. Reading the word isn't the same as listening, right? How many, parent, how many of you parents, well, you know, if you had parents, you remember, they would say to you, you're not listening to me. Right, you didn't listen to me, what are they saying? You actually didn't obey, you didn't do what I said. True listening is obedient listening. So to listen to God is to obey him. And so when you open the word of God, just think I am one Holy Spirit breath away. Lord, would you, would you just bring things out? Would you show me you? And and when you come into it, say, your servant is listening. Are you listening? So let me, let me just, if I can challenge us. Um, I want you this week to pay attention to the thoughts that come in your mind when you are about to go and read the Bible and there's resistance, there's distraction, there's apathy, and then I want you to ask this question, is that coming from me? Like, is this my desire for my soul? You could ask also, or is this from God? Probably not. At that point, you need to recognize there's another voice that knows the kind of life the kind of formation and truth, real identity that comes when you spend time with the king. So in that point, you have to recognize, hmm, you have spiritual authority to go, okay, there's another voice who has a plan to make my day go a different way. Okay, true or false, you want your day to go the way demons want them to go. You don't, false, okay, universal symbol, mm. Right? I'm not gonna listen. I'm not gonna listen to that voice. I'm going in. Uh, I wanna do anything I can to get with the lover of my soul who wrote a love letter. Okay, so that's one implication for your life. The second thing you need to know is you have the wisdom of God abiding in you. Like if God is wise and God, the Holy Spirit, is in you, you need to trust the spirit in you. So he knows what he's gonna highlight in the word. 
He knows what we need to ask. He knows what others need. He knows why I'm going through a trial. He knows what fruit he's producing in me. And now it's all gonna be for his glory and his good, but he knows specifically and he loves to reveal it. And so we need to ask him. A few weeks ago, we used this text in application before, but James says this, if anyone, this will be on the screen, if any one of you lacks wisdom, uh, let him ask God. The context is trials. If you lack wisdom, I don't know the right purpose, what you're doing here, you ask. Proverbs 2, 4 to 6 says, if you seek it, that's wisdom, like silver, and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, and find the knowledge of God, the worship of the Lord. Now look at verse 6, for the Lord gives wisdom. He gives wisdom. Okay, so let's get really practical. Let's say, uh, you know, someone comes to you and they're pouring out their heart. Uh, let's say they are hurting, they're feeling like, okay, let's just, you know, get the masks off. Let's say they're feeling deep despair. You know, maybe they're wanting to separate from their spouse. Uh, they, they've had bad events happen at work. They're disappointed with life and some things that are going wrong. You know, they're, they're just always comparing and they wake up every day wishing they were dead. Okay, if I asked you to honestly show of hands, how many of you, you feel that, or you have felt that this month, I bet you a few hands would go up. Or, or, or they just see nothing ahead, but darkness or unhappiness and, and more pain. Um, what do you say? So what do you say? So you're hearing their story and you're feeling overwhelmed because deep down you're thinking, what? I, didn't, I thought we were gonna talk about COVID. You're, you're feeling way over your head, but you're like, no, wait, James just preached on this. Wisdom begins with God. God has wisdom. I have the Holy Spirit. He's God. He might know. And so you pray, okay? Three things at this point to resist, okay? Three things, resist the urge to run, resist the urge to quickly just help, just say something, resist the urge to give these simple platitudes of, of uh, you know, like, or even verses like all things work, bro. Like, you know, third, resist the urge to refer. Don't run. Don't quick to be helpful and don't refer, okay? Again, all of us wanna run, it's natural. We feel inadequate, right? We never took a course on this stuff. We deep down, we wanna get out of that, right? Some of us just, just don't wanna say the wrong thing. And so we, we, we try to get out. Don't, don't, okay? Why? God in his wisdom put you in that coffee shop on that Zoom phone call or however you're communicating right now in that friendship at that time and beneath every person's shattered dreams or disappointments beneath every ounce of pain that comes through those tragedies is a battle being fought 
that you are equipped with God's presence to enter. God's spirit is God's wisdom for that person. Now, <clears throat> I'm not saying they may need some referring, but listen, listen. Jesus' presence in you to minister is with them in that moment. The life of God is in you. So what do you do? Recognize that. Second, you have to think what's underneath. You have to think as you're listening with the Holy Spirit, what's going on in this person's heart? With the belief that Jesus knows, with the belief that Jesus wants to come into this person's life, with the belief that he wants to bless, he wants to heal, he wants to deliver, he wants to speak his precepts, his word, and he can do the work. So you say something like this, say this, you know what? I'm not sure what to say, but I'm really glad you shared that. And I'm here and Jesus is with us. And can I ask the Holy Spirit to come and be present with us? Can I ask the Holy Spirit to come and reveal to us how much he loves you and where I can begin to explore more of your heart, more of what's underneath? Look, look at me, even if they're not a believer, ask that. By the way, that person is dying to hear you say that. Because most often people don't care. People don't care to be there long enough because they want to run. They don't know what to say. They say some easy quote they heard from an Oprah talk. And there's stuff going on in that person's life. And listen, that person, because of shame, isn't going to come out and say, can you pursue my heart a bit? They won't. So you say, Holy Spirit, would you please guide me in where to go next? Because you're God and you're wise. You not only have the best ends, you know what you're doing. And oftentimes God will reveal the battle and he'll let you speak with power and blessing into it. God is wise. He knows the highest end. He knows the best way to attain what he wants to do in this person's life. And let me just tell you, a Holy Spirit walk like that takes some time. I mean, God might just wanna do one thing. So oftentimes, let me just say this, one of the first questions I ask after asking a lot of more digging questions, um, more kind of battleground questions is would you be okay if I asked Jesus to bring to your mind what Jesus wants to say to you right now? And I'll admit that's risky. It's risky, but I can tell you this from experience of risk-taking, uh, more often than not, uh, God who loves that person, who's wise, will speak, will reveal his love, his identity, and truth will enter in. Scripture will come into being. Psalm 119 will happen. It'll happen. 
<clears throat> so short church, let me ask you this. Do you have a friend like that? Or are you a friend who is safe And, and who is genuinely willing to explore and pursue others' hearts like that. God's wisdom is your anchor. God's wise, God's with you. Okay, listen, I know <clears throat> most of us are in Zoom fatigue right now. And I know a lot of us are like, it's kind of easier to self-isolate, uh, but we need one another more than ever. And so if you're like, you know what? I'd rather not stare at a bunch of like CG people's faces right now because I'm feeling like crap. That's when you need to stare at a bunch of CG faces. And CGs, ask the Holy Spirit to help you read their faces, call them. We gotta be there for one another. We gotta hear the sigh and go, where's that coming from? We need to slow down. Listen to the spirit, get alone with Jesus. All right, <clears throat> I don't know what time we have, so I'm gonna close because I think I just went a long time. Um, one of the most beautiful aspects of the wisdom of God is his own works. Uh, it, specifically in Jesus Christ, who is the wisdom of God. I mean, I want you to think about your salvation. First, I wanna uh, quote, and then we'll, we'll end here. But, but if you go to uh, 1 Corinthians 1, it says this, where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, you know, man's pursuit of how to get wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach, the gospel, salvation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. I want you to think about your salvation, that God the Father would set up in his beautiful providence, a whole system of salvation and that God at the right time, Galatians says, would, would commission, send forth the second member of the Trinity, the eternal son of God, to be eternally put into flesh, fully God, fully man, perfect representation of both. He'd be born of a vir virgin. What kind of wisdom is this, that, that he would enter the human race and yet be without a sin nature, yet be fully human and experience every temptation, yet without sin, born under the law, a law that we break over and over and over and over against him. And then listen, Jesus lived the perfect life. This is the wisdom of God. Not only before God do our injustice, our sins need true justice, 
not only do we need our sins paid for, removed from our record, we need before God a holiness to live all the life we should have lived, to obey God perfectly, to love humanity without fail. We ought to live. And Jesus, he lives the perfect life. There's a beautiful record of righteousness. And then on the cross, the Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin so that in him, we might become the righteous of God. God in his wisdom takes Jesus's perfect works, every act of obedience, and he imputes it to you as if you obeyed everything Jesus did. So when God looks at you right now, he sees the life of Jesus. He is so pleased. He is so excited. There's nothing hindering his love towards you, not anything because the righteousness of Jesus is imputed to you. And then in the wisdom of God, an eternal being who our sins are eternal deserves an eternal consequence. So only an eternal being could sacrifice perfectly on the cross. Jesus substitutes himself in our place and he bears the curse. He, he takes our sin. The father puts on Jesus our sin and judges them there. And then in his death, he defeats sin, Satan, death. He imputes to all humanity righteousness. And then he comes out of the grave. There, there could have been a plan of salvation where he accomplished that righteousness, died on the cross, went right to heaven from the grave. He doesn't. He comes out with what? Physical bodily resurrection. Why? Because that's where it's all going. There's a restoration of all creation. This is the great salvation, the greatest plan. This is the salvation. The Bible says the angels long to look. They're going, what? There's a resurrection. This is great. They're all freaking out. This is what's going to happen to those, to the humanity that are believing in you, that you have, like, it's just an incredible wisdom of salvation. And so we have so much to praise God, our wise God for. We will never, ever, ever for eternity stop enjoying and loving and worshiping the God who is wise. Everything that comes into your life, you will look back and go, so wise, so wise, so wise. And so as we wrap this up and as we talk about flourishing, sure, I just wanna implore you Get back with Jesus. I don't know if you've been running from him, avoiding him. I don't know if you're not a Christian. Today's the day you need to become a Christian. You need to believe in Jesus. You need to give your life to Jesus. You need to stop wasting your life on other things that are not what Jesus is wanting you to spend your life on. We flourish when we open up our souls, when we give him access and we let him in. And we bring in all that he is, his goodness, his beauty, his wisdom, his love. And so just encourage you just, just to take some time this week and just reorient. Start talking to Jesus again and uh, fall in love. I'd encourage you to read Psalm 119 this week. Fall in love with the word of God. It is the lamp unto our feet the light into our path. And so we're gonna sing. We're gonna sing some sweet old hymns. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. And I want you to pause where you are and I want you to worship God together, amen? So let's do that now. So Jesus, we just come to you. 
we pray as we sing, uh, you would just have our hearts. And I pray that Lord, you would just, even now, God, as I, as I uh, pray, I pray for healing. Lord, if there's any physical healing you wanna do, I pray now that you would just touch bodies. Lord, if there's emotional pain, would you now heal that? Lord, you were wise. Jesus, I pray you would now put in our minds faces of people you have for us to love, to intentionally pursue the battles of the heart and to bring your living life and healing touch and deliverance in. May we be a church that loves one another deeply. We love your word. Give us grace and zeal to really believe it's a lamp, to really believe we, we don't wanna go on any journey. We don't wanna see any part of anything apart from your word. And so I just, I pray for just an infusion of new passion to be men and women of the word, to be men and women who listen to your voice and obey it, to be men and women who trust in your wisdom. We pray this now in Jesus' name, amen.